Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, picking up in verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when, whenever they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only Christ only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Some free people today. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The New King James says, from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I was thinking to myself this week, last weekend, had the opportunity. Uh, my parents came in town to visit for Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I'm a kid from the suburbs of Chicago. And so many of you would be able to relate to this, that anytime family comes in town, when you live in Southern California and family comes into town, you become a B-level tour guide. <laughs> Driving them around, start making things up. My parents had asked, what are those mountains? I'm like, the Saddleback Mountains. Just making things up. <laughs> like, what? you know, you're driving around, you're telling random facts. Like, dude, this is not, that's not real. That's not true. And so it was just a funny moment. We went down to Crystal Cove. It was beautiful. I was thinking to myself because following that moment, we couldn't really decide on what was going to happen next. I had kind of reached the end of my uh, tour guide skills and didn't know what else to show them. And so we didn't really know what to do next. And so I found myself getting frustrated because we were kind of just driving around aimlessly. And I remember just this moment because being you know, now in Southern California for about four years, found myself just getting frustrated. Like, how do we not have a destination? Let's just decide where it is that we're going. Now, this shouldn't take me by too much of a surprise because growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, I lived in a town called Plainfield. I know, beautifully descriptive. It was just pretty accurately described what it was. Plainfield, it's about all there was. And being from Plainfield, let's just say we have it a lot better here in Orange County than they do in Plainfield. And I remember the things that we would do for fun, we only had about three options. The first option was a backyard bonfire. The second option uh, was to go to the 24-hour steak and shake. The third option, we would actually say this, let's drive around for fun. (laughs) That's all we had. And I was thinking to myself that this week, how funny it is, because how many know driving together and fun don't really go, don't go well together in Southern California. Either you're either stressed out about the traffic that you're sitting through, or you're stressed out about having to pay $100 for a half a tank of gas. Driving is not fun in Southern California. And I just remember getting frustrated because we're driving around 
aimlessly, not really having a destination, not knowing without, without any direction to which we were going. Have you ever felt aimless before? Have you ever felt not really sure where you're headed? Like you could be here and you're doing all the right things. You're doing maybe what seems right. It's good. It's, it's not like you're, you know, you know, just kind of drifting, but you're doing everything that seems right. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but you're just not really sure where you're ending up. You're not really sure where you're going. It's kind of just without any kind of direction at all. I think many times in our life, we just forget that faith is a journey. Faith is not a season. Faith is not an event. Faith is not even a feeling that you leave Sunday services with. Faith is a journey. It is a continual progression towards what? What is our direction as people of faith? We are on a continual progression towards something, toward heaven. This is what we're moving towards. We have a direction. And one of the most important questions that we could even answer today is not where you've been, but where are you going? Because even if you're not a follower of Jesus, all of our lives are headed somewhere. Your thoughts, your values, your commitments, your priorities, your schedule, your heart, your worship. Let me just tell you, it's pointing towards something. And all of our lives, whether you're a Christian or not, are, are headed somewhere. The question is, do you know where you're going? Do you know your destination? Because if you are a Jesus follower, the Bible tells us that we are going towards something. The journey of faith is going from glory to glory. We're headed somewhere. We're going towards glory. What is the glory? Glory is what awaits us. We have a final destination called heaven. Come on, somebody. We're headed to a place where we get to experience the fullness of God and in his love and in his glory. This is the promise that we have. We're going towards glory because there will be a day when we will be in heaven with Jesus. But until we get there, we're also going to glory because from glory to glory, really what it means is that we, we have this expectation. We have this hope because God has brought us from somewhere in the past. There's still more that God wants to do. There's still more that God has in store for us. We have a lot to celebrate underneath this tent. I was thinking to myself just this week as we kind of make preparations to wrap it all up and head inside. There's a lot to celebrate. You are sitting underneath a miracle. Think of what has happened this past year. And yet for 10 months, we've been gathering together as a church. It's unbelievable. The stories of people that have experienced God's grace and God's faithfulness to them, to them in the midst of incredible change in this season. Let me just tell you, during this season, we've reached our community like never before. We've served with literally dozens of outreach projects all across this season. During this season, we've graduated our inaugural class of Free Chapel College and still continue to make disciples. During this season, we were celebrating it earlier. We've had 2,400 new people join the church. Some of you have only started attending outdoors. I think that's pretty awesome. During this season, not one Sunday has gone by that in 10 months, someone hasn't given their life to Jesus. What a miracle that is. We've gathered together and there's still every single Sunday miracles happening. I think it's a miracle. And you know what? Despite all of that, I love that even though we're going back inside, our church isn't going back to anything. 
We are a church that keeps pressing forward, believes that there is more in store. We've seen incredible miracles, but guess what? There's still more that God wants to do in us, and there's still more that God wants to do through us. And we're not a church that goes back to anything. We may be opening up our doors again, but guess what? We believe that God's best is ahead. This isn't positive thinking. This is just the faith journey that God's best is still ahead of us. I wanna encourage some people today. I don't know where you're sitting at or the circumstance of life that you may find yourself in, but there is nothing about your future that is still in the past. There's nothing about your future that's behind you. There's nothing about where God wants to do or what God wants to take you to that somehow you've missed out or somehow this is the end. God's best is ahead of you. This is the position of faith. And just think of this past year, because the reality is so much is changing for us as a church this week. This is a brand new season that we're stepping into. I mean, how many changes can one year bring? I'm looking at some of you, friends that I know, your life looks completely different than it did just 12 months ago. Because this season has been a season of change. But what a tragedy it would be to experience all this change, but still ourselves remain unchanged. See, I want to tell you today that God wants to change you. But one person said it pretty right. The change is a lovely idea until you realize you got to change. We're all on board for change. We're like, woo, new seasons. But guess what that means? It means that you got to change. It means there's something still in you that God may want to prepare. God may want to form. Here's just the reality. Change is inevitable, but growth is intentional. Can I just tell you today, change is inevitable. It's the only constant in life. Things are always changing around us. They're probably going to change again. Change is inevitable. We all have experienced and been affected by the changes this year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have changed for the better. You have, could have experienced change, but guess what? It doesn't mean that you've grown because change, it's inevitable, but growth is intentional. We have to make a choice to grow. We have to make a choice in our lives to improve, to get better. It doesn't just happen. Growth isn't just inevitable. Growth is actually a choice that we make. And here we are today talking about the new season that we're stepping into. And I just want to help stir up the faith of our church to understand we are growing somewhere. Hello. We're going towards something, but I want us to grow. Because anytime we're talking about a new season, here's just what a new season means. A new season will always disrupt old patterns. New seasons disrupt old patterns. Let me just show you what I mean, because there is a verse we love to quote in Pentecostal circles. We love to say that God is doing a new thing. We love to pray about this. I remember the prayer team probably said it in there this morning. God, do a new thing. What are we even talking about here? God is doing a new thing. And let me just take us back to that verse for a moment because it comes from Isaiah chapter 43. Now, Isaiah was a prophet and a prophet was just somebody that would speak on behalf of God. A prophet isn't a fortune teller. A prophet isn't a predictor of the future. A prophet is just someone who would speak on behalf of God. This was the job of the prophets. This was Isaiah. And so God would raise up Isaiah to give a message to his people. 
There in this moment, Isaiah in chapter 42 and, ver- and chapter 43, he would go through the history of the ancient Israelites. He would say, think about what God has done for you. God has brought you out of captivity and slavery in Egypt. God has crossed, cr- allowed you to cross the Red Sea. God has taken your enemies and silenced them. God has led you through the wilderness for 39 years as a pillar of fire by night and of cloud by day. God has provided miraculously for you miracle manna from heaven. God has worked on your behalf. Signs, miracles, and wonders that God has done. And in verse 18, God raises up Isaiah to say to the people prophetically this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I love how the message puts this. Forget what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. God is doing a new thing. And I'm reading this and I'm going, forget about it? Like, that was an amazing thing that God had done. The story of the ancient Israelites is miracle after miracle. God's grace and his mercy and his faithfulness and his provision. And you're going to tell us to forget? How can you tell us to, I, I thought forgiveness, for, for, I thought remembrance was a good thing. I thought forgetting was like something that we were warned. Doesn't Jesus say something about remembering? I thought to myself, how can you even tell us to forget? Like, rem, isn't that the point of even a testimony at all? To share it with people and to not forget? To not forget about what God had done? But here's just the reality, because I believe sometimes the biggest obstacle to what God would do today is what God did yesterday. Sometimes the biggest obstacle that's standing in your way of a new season is not anything else except this. Sometimes the biggest obstacle is what, is what God had done yesterday. It's not that remembrance is bad. It's just this temptation that we all face that instead of remembering your past, you're reliving it. This is the temptation that we all have. See, remembrance, it is a powerful thing. It's a good thing. But we only remember the point of remembering is to inspire in us a hope for the future. We're headed somewhere towards a destination and we look back from glory. Why? To head to glory. And instead of remembering the past, so many of us face this temptation to keep reliving the past. But I want to tell you today, every time that you're reliving the past, you're not honoring it. You're idolizing it. And how is it that for us, I know I'm at your house today. Hello. Some of you just went, ouch. Many of us, we we just chalk up our past old moments, old glories as a way to honor them. But you're not ever growing or stepping into something new because you just end up repeating the same patterns. You end up repeating the same glories. You end up reliving your past. And I'm telling you, this is where we have to guard ourselves against and allow even this to be a challenge because your past can be an idol. Even the good things that God has done. Isaiah says to the church prophetically, let me say it to our church prophetically, forget about it. Forget about it. And you may be here, been a Christian for a while, folding your arms. I'm never going to forget about what God has done for me. I'll never do it. It's not that we need to forget about what God has done, but we need to forget that that's all God could do. Can I just say that today? It's not that we're forgetting the testimonies of our past. 
we're just forgetting that that's all God has in store. And many of us, we think that once God has shown up in a miracle moment, once God has spoken to us, that we just settle and end up trying to recreate. I hear it all the time. Oh, it's just not the way that it was back in the day. Ah, they just don't sing it the way they used to back in the day. Ah, church isn't the same. It was different when I was going to that church or was different when I was serving in that place. End up saying, ah, it's just, what a funny phrase, back in the glory days. What a funny idea. Have we settled? Have we continued to just relive the past I'm telling you the power of remembrance today is that it should inspire in us the direction, the hope that awaits us. So I want to tell you, what are the things that you need to let go of that God is calling you to? Because in a new season, it's just as simple to step into new. You got to let go of the old. So what is the thing that God may be calling you to let go of? What is the thing that God may be calling you to forget? Because new seasons, they disrupt old patterns, old patterns of habit, old patterns of thinking, old patterns of perspective, old relationships. Hello. It's not because that they're bad. It's just they may not help you to grow. It's not that this season is bad. It's just that this season may be different. And God might be trying to do something different. Can I just tell somebody today, you got to allow God to be as unique with you as he was with others. And many of us were just projecting on somebody else's past or what God had done in that moment. And we're trying to recreate this and we end up reliving, reliving it, creating an idol out of our past. And God is telling us today, forget about it. Forget about it. Look at your neighbor. Just look at him and tell him, forget about it. Put on your best New York accent. Forget about it. Forget about it because there is more that God has in store for us. And sometimes the biggest obstacle is what God did yesterday. Talking to someone this week, I've, I've just seen it time and time again that people can order their whole reality around past moments past experience. People can order their whole sense of identity around past experiences, past habits, past cynicism, past indifference, even past wounds and past resentments. And what ends up happening is we no longer believe for more. And what ends up, and when we no longer believe for more, what we're actually doing is that instead of growing, we're stuck reliving. You can remember your past, sure, but please don't relive it. Don't make an idol out of it because it's your past that will end up determining your present and dictating your future. And if we're going to step into the future that God has for you, it will require you to take up something brand new. We've got to make space for something brand new. Just telling us today, you may be here feeling like this is a message. Why is he yelling at me? Listen, listen, don't shoot the messenger. Okay. I'm just telling you, this is what God would say to us. And this is what I think even setting this up because Isaiah, he wasn't talking about their, their life before Jesus. He was talking about amazing things that God has done, signs, miracles, and wonders. And he says to them, forget about it. Why is this the case? Because yesterday's victories won't win today's battles. It's awesome that you won yesterday. But see, as here's the thing. I meet so many young people that tend to think that the, what God would have for them is someday. And on the flip side, as we get older, we get more cynical and think 
that what God would have for us was yesterday. See, you know, young people, it's, it's out there. God's purpose for me is out there. It's someday. And old people think, well, it was back in the glory days and back at this moment. And the Bible takes this radical middle approach to say that our best days are right now. Our best days, no matter if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes or 20 years or 50 years, we all have a new glory that we're stepping into. God's best is ahead. We know where he's at. He caught that revelation. Come on, somebody. He's calling his people to a new depth. And when God brings to us a new season, he's trying to change us. What's the point of change? The point of change is growth. And God wants to grow us, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. This is why I think here in our text today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, verse 13, he says, we're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now there's this story in Exodus chapter 34 where Moses would meet with God on Mount Sinai. The Bible said that he would go up and speak to God face to face as one does with a friend. That's incredible. That Moses would meet with God face to face as one speaks to a friend. And the Bible said that he would come down from the mountain after meeting with God. The glory of the Lord was so overwhelming that his face would glow. It's worth noting here today that God's presence is better for you than Botox. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you today, this is a skincare routine that you've been looking for. You never looked as good as you do when you're praising God. You never looked as good as you do when you're serving the Lord. Praise looks good on you. Why don't you try spending less time at Nordstrom and more time in God's presence? Watch what it'll do for you. Watch what it'll do when the glory of the Lord takes control of your heart. When the glory of the Lord, you begin to radiate with God's love and with God's presence and with the spirit that's upon us. There is no replacement for this. Man, I felt that. It said that his face would glow. And I always used to read this story thinking that when Moses would put on the veil, that it would be to hide the glow as if not to scare the people from seeing something that would have been absurd. I always thought that Moses would have put the veil on to stop people from seeing something that was different, that was crazy, that it would pr protect them from seeing the shining. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he put on the veil as if to prevent them from seeing something that was fading away. Watch this distinction. The veil wasn't pr to protect the shining. The veil was to protect the fading. The veil was to protect the fading, this, the, what goes away. It wasn't to protect the shining. Why do you think that Moses would have put the veil on? What did he want people to think? It must have been that they wanted him to think that there was something there more than there really was. He must have wanted people to think that there was more underneath the veil than there actually was. And this is the question for us today, because when the glory fades, when your faith fades, when your hope fades, when, when your passion fades, that's when we need to be careful, because if you don't have a fresh encounter with the living God, that's when the veil comes out. And watch me today. We have to guard ourselves away from just reproducing what was in the past because it's a veil. It's a veil to pr protect ourselves away because 
when the veil was hiding the fading. It's so important that we learn this because Moses trying to impress others, trying to be the leader, trying to say, this is, there's more there underneath the surface. It's fading glory. It's fading. It's a veil. And as you study the life of Moses, we just learned this important principle that pride prevents us from growth. Pride will prevent you from growth. See, we're all on board for growth until we realize the parts of our lives that we need to grow in. Because more often than not, the things that God will want to change are something that you want, something that you think you need, or something that you consider indispensable. And God puts his finger on that and says, that's the area I want you to grow in. And the only way we're going to take our hands off is to let go of the pride. Might I suggest to you that the most definitive moments in your life were not moments of pride, but moments of humility. Because sometimes it even takes humility to recognize that you need to grow. You don't grow by looking down from the mountaintop on where you've been. You grow from the valley by looking up to where you need to be, to where you can go, to who you can become. This is how growth happens. The most defining moments is just when we don't feel the pressure to pretend. We don't feel the pressure to perform. The moments that we can live unveiled. Why? Because growth is a result of humility. If you're honest today, I just want to ask you this question. What could be holding you back from growth is not a lack of trust in God, but just personal pride in your heart. Pride to ask for forgiveness. Too prideful to extend forgiveness too prideful to be honest about what's really going on, too prideful to serve beyond when it's convenient for you, too prideful to let your old glories go. Telling you today that it's just a veil. It's all it is. Because God can't heal what you conceal. God can't use what you refuse to reveal to him. It's just a veil. I don't want to go to a church that's just fake it until you make it. I don't want to go to a church that's just all of us pretending, posturing, feel the need to impress, feel the need to perform and miss the whole point of what church is about. For it is the church that is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. That's what the church is about. And I'm challenging us today to live unveiled. Watch this. Paul writes in verse 16. He says, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Hallelujah. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. What is he saying? He's saying you can't encounter God and stay the same. God's presence has a way of changing us. God's presence has a way of molding us and forming us. And every single time we get into God's presence, we put our attention on Jesus. The Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. That's why worship is never wasted time. Coming to church on a Sunday, it's not wasted time. Meeting together with your small group, it's not wasted time. Why? Because every time we get into God's presence, he's exchanging the veil for freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from trying to have it all together yourself. Freedom from trying to do it in your own strength. He's given you freedom from trying to impress others. Freedom from this Instagram culture. The freedom to be you. The freedom to grow. Hallelujah. He's given us the freedom to change. You don't have to be stuck in your past. 
God can change it. And it just starts by getting into his presence. Just starts. This is the whole point of change. The whole point of change is to grow us, to get us to be like Jesus. I know it sounds like I'm dumbing it down, but I really just believe this is the most important revelation that we can catch today. See, when the Holy Spirit, he gets a hold of our hearts, he shapes us and molds us and refines us. He tells us, this is the area you need to change. This is the area that I wanna grow you in. This is the thing that I'm trying to prepare you for. And what's the point? What's the destination? It's to get us to be like Jesus. That's why verse 18, Paul says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, into his image from glory to glory. God wants to transform us in this season. See, God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay the same. The longer that you're with Jesus, you can experience glory, but there's still a direction that he's trying to move you towards. There's still a process that he's trying to prepare you for. It's called looking like Jesus. It's called being with Jesus, to think and to act and to talk like Jesus. This is the goal of every Christian, to get in God's presence. And the beauty of it is, when God calls us to a new season to disrupt our old patterns, maybe to challenge our pride today. He says, just get in my presence. The only thing we have to do is to behold, to behold him. Behold, it's a word that speaks to our focus, it speaks to our perspective. It speaks to what we're looking at moment we're going to sing. And it's not just songs. It's just a way for us to put our attention on Jesus. Because as we behold, we become like Jesus. And this is the goal for all of us. It's easy to think that once you've been a Christian for long enough, that this is all God has in store. And it's just kind of a repetition. None of us have gotten close to the fullness of glory that awaits us. To continue to be transformed into his image, to be like Jesus. That's what the glory of the Lord will do because there are times in his presence where the Lord, his glory is so overwhelming, it can't help but move us. His glory is so overwhelming that we can't help but realize even in our hearts the areas that we may feel inadequate. I can remember being a young person laying at the floor of a tear-stained carpet at the altar saying, God, show me your glory. I felt convicted to myself this week thinking, where has that gone? Let this be the thing that defines our new season, a church that would rise up to say, God, show us your glory. Give us a greater measure of your glory. Help us to see you more clearly than we have. Help us to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the most important thing that we have. Can I suggest to you today that the reason that you haven't grown is not about willpower. It's not about strength. It's not because you lack the determination or the desire or the discipline to change. Perhaps the reason that you haven't grown is you've just missed the direction. You don't know where you're headed. 
we're going to glory. The direction of all of our lives is to head in a continual progression towards heaven where we be like Jesus. That's why Ephesians chapter one, it says it's only in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's only Jesus that you know who you are and what you're living for. And if we don't have a right understanding of how we're growing or rather who we're supposed to grow into, this is the problem that we have because we just have to realize I'm headed somewhere. My faith is a journey that's taken me somewhere. I'm going to glory. God has new miracles in store for me today. He's got a new fight for me tomorrow. He's got a new victory for me to see, a new miracle for me to experience. And one day we'll get to heaven where we'll see the glory in its fullness. Hallelujah. Man, I can't wait for that day. What a hope that we have. And this is what Paul says. We have a hope and because of it, we are very bold. See, in all of us, God's image has been defaced by sin, but he has made a way for us to see. See, it is the power of the gospel that allows us not just to see Jesus as the revelation of God in human face, but it allows us to become like him. This is the power of the gospel. We see Jesus of where we're supposed to go, of who we're supposed to become, of the one that we're supposed to be with for eternity. But it also gives us the power to be transformed into his image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. I wish someone would catch this revelation today and just begin to behold Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.